everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Endometriosis Australia's podcast, Living with Endo, the A to Z of Endometriosis. I'm a proud ambassador for Endo Australia and host of this little podcast. My name is Ellie Angel Mobs. I really do appreciate your time listening to this podcast, which is all about creating awareness and getting conversations out there for the one in nine who are affected by Endo. And you're going to meet one of our amazing Endo patients from beautiful Queensland. Now, she began her Endo journey quite young at the age of 13. She went through a really hard time at school with it, being bullied. You're going to learn about different ways to handle that if you're going through it at the moment. Now, I often say as well, if we got frequent flyer points for all the Endo procedures that we get, we'd all be platinum members flying first class across the world. It's not the case though, is it? Definitely a frequent flyer is our guest on this podcast. She's had over 30 surgeries. As mentioned, endo journey started when she was at school. She actually had a latest surgery last week. She's still recovering from it, but she is such a fighter that she wanted to come on this podcast and share her endo story. Please, this is one of my favorite podcasts so far. Enjoy my chat with the wonderful Elise Masters. Right now, we're going to catch up with one of our endo champions, a a patient who has recently gone through the surgery. We say a very warm welcome to Elise Masters. Hello. Hello. You are in Brisbane and, oh, your endo journey. I am. This is going to be a long one, I feel. (laughs) It is. It's a very, very long, tricky, crazy story. (laughs) Elise Currently, where are you in Brisbane? Describe what you've got surrounding you. I am bedridden on like a pull-out sofa couch, hidden kind of away from my baby so that she can't hurt me (laughs) um, because I've just had a very full-blown laparoscopy. So I've got painkillers, water, heat packs, ice packs, blankets, pillows, um, curled up in my little zone, just trying to recover. I think it was maybe eight, nine days ago I had wow. surgery. So, and look, yeah. I, I, I did say to you, you can rest. We can wait until you're feeling better. But in your <laughs> words, you want to speak, you want to help fight and advocate yeah. for our endometriosis yeah. patients across Australia. So thank you so much for your time in advance. Uh, we will hear all about why you had to have that surgery so recently. But uh, tell us, when when did you first get the symptoms when it comes to endo? Well, look, I got my period at 13 and it was always a very heavy period. Um, But when I kind of hit about 15, 16, it really started hitting to a point where it was excruciatingly painful that with the cramps that even my family were like, what the hell, like ice pack, heat pack, nothing worked whatsoever. I was curled in a ball like I was disabled. And then we started seeing a female gynecologist um, and she recommended I go and see someone because she's like, okay, this doesn't sound normal. And especially with the amount of blood loss I was having too. Mm. Um, So it was the pain and the blood loss that really kind of um, made us go, all right, okay, something's going on here because it was just hitting hard Mm. every single time. There was no relief. And you found a GP who had that inkling that maybe this is endometriosis and sent you to the gynecologist or did you have to go and find different doctors to get the answer? I first went to my GP and they'd known me literally since I was born Um, and they said, look, it's just best maybe go get checked out like gynecology, um, you know what I mean. (laughs) And my mother had had a history of 
endometriosis, but hers was nothing like mine. She mm. didn't suffer with pain or anything like that. So they were like, okay, well, you know, we'll just go get you checked. So I went up to uh, the Wesley Hospital here in Brisbane. I had a female gynecologist. She's very, very reluctant to do a surgery on me, mm-hmm. very reluctant. And that was purely because of my age. One, I can kind of understand it, but now looking back, I don't think that, you know, they should be holding off. And how old um, were you at that time? 15, 16, had my first wow. surgery at 16. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, so young. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a fun time. So I had about um, three surgeries with her. We ended up finding out that one day on my third surgery with her, few days after I went back into the emergency department she called me a hypochondriac and just said send her home wouldn't give me pain relief nothing mm-hmm. I then went to my now current surgeon so this is me probably at like 19 20 mm-hmm. so I've seen and I'm 30 so I've seen him since then mm-hmm. it was about two weeks after I had that surgery he goes I'm going to open you up, up and have a look he opened me up and I was covered in black oh covered she did not remove anything oh, no. because I was so emotionally ruined mm. it's like you know I've got help now like I trust this man he mm-hmm. showed me photos of before and even after mm. all of the removal isn't like, it a just fun little thing to, to look at what actually is inside you and it's that moment of disbelief oh, like you serious that was in me no wonder why it hurts yes it, it's horrible and that and like This is a man and he just, he's honestly, he's like a grandfather to my daughter. Mm. He is part of my family and he's just like, this pain ruins women. He has seen me on my deathbed. He has just, he's held my hand through everything and that's the one thing that I'm going to say to any woman is, or anyone that goes through this is, keep searching and I know it's hard, Mm. but keep searching until you find someone that, genuinely cares about your well-being and your health because some people you're just a number and unfortunately that is the case. One that uh, really sticks with me is someone said to me, uh, Ellie, you've got to act like you're the CEO of your own body and you've got to fight until you get the right answers. And if you get someone who says, nope, you know, that isn't the case, well, you go to someone else and you keep on going until you get the answers Mm -hmm. that you believe you deserve. Oh, 100%, literally. And that's the thing is even because I'd, I'd finally find I found my person, mm. he, even though I was still just consistently needing surgeries almost every th- three to four months, we were, and it was wow. just black and the adhesions and everything because I've had that many, I've had about 30 surgeries. It's just been so consistent. He has tried everything under the sun and he has fought as much as I have fought to find any way and just tried everything to help my body to Mm. stop this growth to just we haven't given up and you know here we are still together this day and we're still fighting for it together. We have a hug before surgery. Mm. Um, you lucked you know, out. <laughs> every time he's, yeah, he's just, he's been my lifesaver. So, yeah, he's, still- he's been amazing and he, he's been my fighter. So many years since you initially showed symptoms. When they first began, you mm. were much younger and you would have mm. been at school. You were bullied because your friends... Yes. Schoolmates didn't understand what was going on. Oh, definitely. Yes. I ended up even leaving school because of it. Obviously, girls can be girls, but yeah. it is funny because, you know, you 
a lot of these girls, they make fun of you as in you're a hypochondriac and, you know, oh, she's just putting it on and all this kind of stuff because – and then it also affects you mentally, the pain. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes away – it takes away your fight or flights. It just – it just ruins everything about you. And then when people see that in schools, especially kids these days, mm. they latch onto that and they'll use it. And that's the really hard thing about it. It's also kind of a bit funny to see that the people that I've seen that have bullied me because of it are now mm. trying to, like, you know, promote all this awareness and everything like that. But mm. that's what shows me and tells me, okay, we got to start this from back in school Mm. we need to start teaching girls to look for what's normal what's not and what we can do to help them because if all girls are aware then maybe that can make a change in the bullying of it Mm. um and I think that's going to be a big big thing that we can do because you know these girls didn't understand what I was going through no and it's not their Um, fault either because you know, exactly. they're probably, you know, my friends had absolutely no idea and they look back and go, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. But it, yes. we don't know. And I suppose exactly. when you are young, you compare yourself with what everyone else should be. And yeah. we were oh, taught yeah. in the sex ed classes. I remember sitting there and it was like, yes, and you may get a painful period and that's normal. But we need to change that education in the schooling system because pain is not normal yes. for your periods. No, it's not. And it needs to be a massive thing that, you know, it's not just that we have people coming in and teaching the girls. I even believe then in high school that, you know, men should then even be taught about these types of things as well. You know, coming up to like the grade 11 and 12 in the health education classes, you know, what this can be and how to support people in those situations. Mm. Because in the end, it is a debilitating disease. You know, I know my family, my even my male family members have struggled so much with watching me go through it that they don't know what to do, that they may have to pull away because they're like, what do I do? I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. And just people using voices, using education, it's going to do so much. And if we started young with the girls, you know, in the primary school, I remember having the sex ed classes God, I didn't need that. I would have rather have known about, you know, what actually is normal mm-hmm. and what isn't normal. I think that's so much more important. And I really, really hope that the government implements something like that mm. in all, all of the schools because I think it's going to help in regards of the bullying with endometriosis. Mm. And also I think like showing children a form of empathy and sympathy as well, mm-hmm. it's going to help teach them that too. Well, at least so, yeah, honest- I think we- that's a big thing. Elise, in this podcast, uh, a lot of our audience are younger listeners and we appreciate you very much for listening yeah. wherever you are. Um, but a lot of them are at school. What message would yeah. you give to those who are being bullied? A big thing I would say is if you do have social media, first of all, reach out to a lot of the endometriosis pages, okay, because they have become family to me. They have become, there's just even women who have created their own endometriosis pages and all we want to do is just help and be there for one another and we know what can just help even one day for one another. So reaching out to people like that. I think also, I know it's hard, but saying, look, this is something that I'm going through. It is a health issue and I'm not going to allow you to bully me. 
I am going to fight. I'm going to keep continue fighting for my health, just like I wish that you would do that too for yourself. Mm. Teaching sympathy, showing empathy, all of that stuff is so important. But you know what? No matter if you've got this disease, you are who you are. You're such a beautiful person. No one is ever worth you feeling any lack of doubt in yourself. And I can say that to a hunt, like just a hundred percent. No one is ever worth that. You are worth everything. So never let someone take your shine. There are people out there who are so open and willing to help. And you know what? Even if you, you know, you've heard my name, Elise Masters, mm. message me even on Instagram. I would love to talk to you, chat to you. If you're having a horrible day with someone bullying you, I am there because I would love that as well. You know, I love it when people reach out to me and we can talk about, our, you know, our issues and what's going on and, you know, we can guide each other, especially until our next doctor's appointment too. Mm. Um, and I think that is a big thing as well. So knowing your worth Finding people who are going through similar situations to you. Mm -hmm. Also, just no, never stop fighting mm. for your health and your happiness too. And if you're uncomfortable with having that conversation with your friends as well, then speak to yeah. someone who you trust who might be older, yeah. who may have the correct way to do it, or see if there's teachers, counsellors at your school yes. who are capable of, of conducting yes, those conversations professionally because sometimes 100%. it may be just like, I can't do that, and that will build up your anxiety too. So always know that you're not alone and there are people around you that yes. do want to help and support you. And that's something, at least, that I've discovered through this endometriosis community is mm -hmm. there was this feeling of being quite alone because you do suffer in silence. But then when you actually... Yeah open up and you look outside, mm -hmm. especially on social media, it really is a beautiful yeah. community of people who want to help each other out. It is. It really is. And I think another thing that you touched on, you know, speaking with teachers and stuff like that, another big thing I know that some people frown upon or think it's weird, you know, having a psychiatrist or anything. I've had my psychiatrist since I was 13 and, my God, that woman, she knows everything about it. She supported me. She was my person who helped handle me through bullying. And if you need someone like that, that's amazing. They teach you these lifelong qualities mm. as well. Having a psychiatrist or having a teacher, a companion, uh, an adult especially that's like that, it's an amazing thing to have because their life lessons, you know, at least one part of their life lesson is going to help you as well. Mm. So, yeah, I think reaching out, finding help is just the best and biggest thing you can do for mm. yourself. And building a great support network around you, be that family, friends, work colleagues, yeah. schoolmates. Yeah. I'm blown definitely, away by the amount of support I get now in my workplace because they're across what's going on in my body. And it's like, I can't come to work today. And straight uh -huh. away, it's like, what do you need me to do, Ellie? We'll cover you. I know. And that's the thing. Like I've, I've been fired from two jobs because of it. And I gave those companies everything I had 24-7. And I've been fired from two of them. And it's literally like it's even one because I had a miscarriage with my endometriosis because of it. Gosh. And they ended up wanting to let me go because they couldn't handle the up and down. But the funny thing was, you know, I was if I was still working from home, I'd be how I am right now. I've got my laptop. I've got everything sorted and I would still be working my butt off. But mm. apparently it's it just wasn't good enough. Mm, and, and that's the hard thing. So it's, 
you know, having going into workplaces as well, making sure that it's a supportive work environment, I think that's an amazing thing too. And, you know, that doesn't just go with endometriosis. I think that goes with every disease or disability that someone faces. We're really lucky with Endometriosis Australia as part of the National Action Plan for Endometriosis. WorkSafe Australia have actually got some guidelines to support workers and employees as well when it comes to endo in the workplace. So I highly recommend safeworkaustralia.gov.au. There is an info pack there now which can help our endo people and also employers, as I said, just to get that understanding as to what's going on and how to deal with people. Because sometimes too, it might be a manager or, you know, a work colleague may not understand the best way to handle the situation because they've not been in that before. So it's a great tool for everyone. That's amazing. No, I love that. You know, that's such an amazing step in the direction. So I think that that's that's so good to have that in place. Like, you know, I wish I had that when I was in my situation. But, you know, moving forward, that's all we can do is move forward. And that's such a positive step. It does break my heart, though, that you lost two jobs because of your endometriosis. That's just, it's not on nowadays. Yeah, it's not, but it happens so much, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It's, it, you know, I kind of have to, I can't hold on to it. I've, mm. It's always, I've got to keep moving forward now. And right now I just, I look after my baby, my miracle baby girl. Mm-hmm. That's my life right now, you know. That's kind of what I do is she's my job. Yeah. <laughs> so she's one hell of a job. Aww. But, um, yeah. How she old? is my job. Uh, how, 14 how? months. Going on 13, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> and what's her name? Sienna. She's my little miracle. I was booked in for a hysterectomy and then um, did a little pregnancy test and whoops, there we go. Surprise. <laughs> yes, she was definitely a, I believe, just a gift or a praise for everything I've been through and to show that, you know, everything you've fought for, here you go, mm. you deserve it. And yeah. it was all I've prayed for my whole life was to be a mum and, you know, it was just, I think it was 27, 28. Mm. And, yeah, I was just best thing ever I wake up every day just so happy even though she can oh my god she can do my head in she's just I even love how naughty she is as well so you'll be be lapping that up for the rest of your life (laughs) I I will honestly I I think it's because she's she doesn't look anything like me, but her attitude is me. So I've got my karma back, obviously. <laughs> but she's just she's just worth every amount of pain that I've gone through in my life um, and will continue to go through in my life. Mm. She's worth it all. Do you mind if I ask Elise, when you were pregnant, did the endo pain disappear? Because I have had some friends who yeah. have endo and while pregnant, they were pain-free. Was that you? No. So, unfortunately, um, it was quite – I was a very painful pregnancy, for one, because I also had scar tissue. Um, and I'd also – obviously, I actually still grew endometriosis with her inside me mm. because when I had my emergency caesarean, um, the, the surgeon goes, oh, quite a bit of endometriosis in here. And I'm like, I literally had, like, surgery four weeks before I'd conceived her. Wow. <laughs> so I'm like, how? So, yeah, it's very, very shocking. And it's obviously I just grow endometriosis to a whole other level. <laughs> but, yeah, it it was very, very painful pregnancy. But no matter what, it was just like, oh, my God, 
my god kid you're a miracle mm. she obviously didn't make it any easier she enjoyed beating me up in there but <laughs> it was yeah pregnancy was definitely painful and then I think it was about I was three months postpartum we noticed that my scar had actually turned black so the endometriosis had then grown out of side of my body wow um yeah so then we had to do surgery after that yeah. and a lot was found and it was just yes it's been never ending but obviously completely worth it at least you had surgery what, nine days ago now yes nine days you knew that was coming though didn't you but then you were rushed in they like wait hang on you need to get in now yeah so I kind of started going really really downhill um you and I were talking about obviously doing the podcast Mm. and I actually had to go into hospital that day because of how severe the pain was it was the most horrible hospital experience anyways but I then was completely bedridden and I'd seen my surgeon and he did a scan and he's like, I, I can see some things. He's like, all right, let's book you in. And so he booked me in as soon as he could. And when he was in there, we'd found adhesions that even had the endometriosis connected to my spine. It was connected from my spine to my uterus, to my abdominal wall, to oh. my C-section scar. I had another adhesion connected to my artery, main artery, down near my right leg. Oh. Um, we had endometriosis on the bottom of my lungs. We had it on my uterus. We had it on my right ovary. Um, and I also had a very thick scar adhesion wrapped around my bowel as well, oh, um, which was almost like it was trying to cut it off. Um, and my whole internal insides, he goes, they were so inflamed and red mm. that I'd actually, um, my mum took a photo of me prior that the right side of my body was about two inches higher. So the inflammation was pushing up one side of my body higher than the other. So I looked very lopsided. So it all just, it was so fast. And yeah, it was all kind of like, oh my God, gun ho, we've just got to get this done. And mm. yeah, then seeing after it, it's like, oh my God, like, we know our body better than anyone and when I knew something wasn't right and the pains that I was feeling because I, I knew nothing was it wasn't a cyst or anything like that mm. but yeah it's and then I remember waking up from surgery and I was in the surgery pain but immediately the pain on my spine was gone completely and I haven't felt it back since still blows my so, mind that something from you, your lady parts can actually go to your spine. It's just bizarre that that's how it operates. Oh, it literally I, is like spiderwebs, just latching on to various things in your body. I was about to say, it, he actually said, he goes, it's like a spider's web in there. And I was like, I don't know, I can't control it. Like, you need to give it a talking to or something because it needs to calm down. <laughs> but, yeah, it's I just it just shocks me and blows me away and it's you know I'm like how am I living through this and looking after my baby and everything and I'm like I'm in so much pain and then you come out of the surgery and they're like well we definitely know why you're in pain Mm. I'm like oh my god at least yeah having uh so yeah at least this is now surgery number 30 is that right yeah just over 30 yeah you are a frequent fly when it comes to having a laparoscopy what advice yeah, do you give someone <laughs> for the first time that they're going under? What would be your big tips for it, like the preparations? 
Okay, so look, preparation, everything, know it's going to be okay. Make sure that you are ready and set up for rest when you come out. And if you want to stay the night in that hospital, you stay the night in that hospital. Mm. That's perfectly fine. I know a lot of laparoscopies are day surgeries. If you want to stay the night, you stay the night and you say that and you be very clear about it. I'm a big believer in that. I've, I never go home the same day. I'm minimum one to two nights that I stay in there. But also think of this as a, I'm going to find out some answers. This mm. is, is going to be a good start. And also having a doctor that's going to do this surgery for you, that's great because they want to find those answers too. Yeah. So I know it's scary. For, for me now, I love it. It's, it's like a vacation. I hop on that bed and I'm just like, let's put me to sleep. It is daunting and I can understand that, but know that this is something that's going to give you some answers and it's going to also give you some relief Mm -hmm. too. It's going to give you relief and it's going to give you a starting point of where to go in your life, Mm -hmm. but also making sure you have set up at home every care rest package that you need because Mm -hmm. rest is so important afterwards. Look, I recommend the only time you get up is to go we or anything especially for the first like I, I'd even say a few days so many people have said to me oh, I went back to work the next day I'm like no you didn't like no, you're lying <laughs> um I thought I could but definitely couldn't I had to take four weeks off in the end instead of just one <laughs> exactly and that's exactly it and rest your body needs it it's go- going through so a c-section you end up going it's I think it's like the most invasive surgery that can happen mm. a laparoscopy is very similar they're cutting through everything like that as well. Mm. So you need that rest and you just have everything there for you, you know, even things because biscuits and things like that because you may not be hungry coming out. Mm-hmm. Lemonade is amazing. It really helps me when I come out of surgery too. Um, but also a big thing I do have to say is make sure you do have some like laxatives and coloxal and stuff like that because you will be taking pain medication mm-hmm. and having your body back up, it creates a lot of pain. Yes. So, you know, having obviously that rest recovery, all those packages or whatever you need, comfy place, quiet place, your TV shows, that's a really big thing. Mm-hmm. But just know you're going to get your answers from that surgery and there's your starting point. Now, the next step for you is you're looking down the road, uh, same as me, of having a hysterectomy, which yeah. when you're 30, uh, you know, I'm also in my 30s too, it's a scary word to have at such a young age. Yeah, it, it is because, you know, it's in your mind, it's like massive part of your femininity being taken away from you and even a massive organ from your body being taken away from you. You know, when people have a kidney removed, everyone's like, oh, you know, having kidney removed, it's a big deal, everything. But, like, people want to go, oh, it's not that big a deal having a hysterectomy. Well, it is. It's a big part of us. And, unfortunately, having a hysterectomy does not cure endometriosis. Mm -hmm. That needs to be broadcasted as well. It can help some women, and that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, that's why I will eventually do it because, it could help me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, but it's something that, yeah, in a couple of years, I'm happy to make that decision to have it removed, but it is a very nerve-wracking thing. Mm-hmm. I would ideally love a second child, but I've been already given my gift and I'm just taking it as it comes mm-hmm. and that's how I'm going to keep taking it. 
But, yeah, with the hysterectomy, I think sometimes in a lot of endometriosis journeys it comes to a point where it is the only option Mm. that people face that they can do, unfortunately. It is a scary one. It is a sad one. It doesn't make you any less of a woman. It doesn't make you any less of a fighter. It doesn't change anything about you. You are a warrior. And to go through that, then the mental, like even the mental, not can't even think of the word, but the mental fight for it as well mm. is is challenging. But, yeah, it's, it is something that some women need to have done, some, in, some women will choose to have done, and some won't have it done. Mm. And I think in the end it's up to us to make our own choices mm. Absolutely. Um, with that as and- well. Elise, I think anyone with endometriosis is the definition of a fighter and that is exactly what you are. You have fought to get the right diagnosis, to find the right person, to be your amazing doctor who is still with you after so many years and you continue to fight as well. You're currently sitting on the couch, bedridden, um, (laughs) having had that surgery recently. Yeah. Uh, with the hot water bottles, with the ice packs, with everything, we've been there before. We we know yeah. we all know what that feels like. Yeah. And here you are. We all, we all, fighting. I think we all can picture me what I'm doing right <laughs> now. I'm sorry. And you know what? You do you. Whatever is going to make you feel comfortable. That's what you need to do yes. right now. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's for every woman. Even you know, even if they're just going through a flare up. You do what you need to do to make yourself feel comfortable. You know, you're the fighter for your body. No one else is. You are. So you take charge of it. So, yeah, I think that's – I love that, how you've just said that, you know. it's That's a perfect way for women to look at it. Hmm. Yeah. Well, Elise Masters from Brisbane, you're an endo champion, you're an endo warrior, and it's been <laughs> such a, a highlight to chat to you and to hear your incredible story when it comes to endometriosis and we really do appreciate you being such a fighter for us as well no well thank you guys so much i really appreciate it and i hope obviously anything and everything we can all do we can make a massive change in the community and you know to the rest of the world the country and let's just obviously all band together and keep fighting the fight together I'm going to give you a big virtual hug through the technology of a podcast. You're incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Hugging you right now. As I mentioned, one of my favourite people to chat to for the podcast series so far with Living With Endo, that was Elise Masters from Queensland sharing her incredible endometriosis patient story. She did touch on being bullied at school, and if that's happening to you right now, there is many people that you can talk to as well. There's Kids Helpline. You can free call them on 1800 55 1800. They've got trained counsellors you can help, and also Headspace. That's a free online and phone support as well. So for details on that, you can go to their website or call 1800 650-890. That was Headspace. You can always contact Lifeline 2 on 13 11 14 if you are older and need to speak to someone. We really do appreciate your time listening to this podcast. Just by doing so, it gets the word out there that there is a podcast for our endometriosis patients in Australia and across the world, no matter where you are listening. So make sure you give it a like, leave it a comment as well, because that just spreads the word of Living With Endo, the A to Z of endometriosis, a podcast proudly made 
for Endometriosis Australia. You can check out their website. It is full of a wealth of knowledge, endometriosisaustralia.org, the place to go. I look forward to chatting with you soon. Thank you once again for your time. My name is Ellie Angel Mobs, and please take care of yourself and be kind to each other.